Hello there once again, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to episode 20 of El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation and packing for walking the road to Santiago, as well as tips, tricks and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. I know it's cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyway, as I do every week. We want to take the grim out of the pilgrimage, put more K's in your days and we are going to put more bounce in your boots. And to that end, in this episode, for those of you, for those of you, not for those of you, for those of you who are, should I say, a little curious about what it's like to be a pilgrim, what would the daily routines and habits be like? What is a typical day like for a pilgrim? I am going to give you, while it's still fresh in my memory, because I'm not even two weeks back from my last walk to Santiago. I'm going to give you an idea of what it's like to be a pilgrim. So this episode is a day in the life of a Camino de Santiago pilgrim. Now, before we start this episode, though, I just want to add one little thing onto last week's episode, which was a year round Camino de Santiago packing list. And that one thing I want to add in there or kind of two things actually, are flip-flops. Okay, so those flip-flops, I don't know how I missed that out because they're very, very important for obvious reasons when you finish walking at the end of the day. If you're going to go and use the showers, which are hopefully 99.9% of you will, um, because I certainly needed it after a long day on the road. Great for obviously going to the showers so you don't catch any thing that may be lurking, any lurgy that may be lurking on the floor. Um, so keep your feet healthy and also give your feet some much needed air. So let's add flip-flops to that kit list. All right. So that year-round year round kit list that I gave you last week, add flip-flops to that as well, please. When I finished, I was like, ah, I should have mentioned flip-flops. How did I, how did I, did I forget that? I don't know. Anyway, a day in the life of a Camino de Santiago Pilgrim. What's it like? So, let's give you an idea. Those of you that have never done a pilgrimage before, and for those of you that have done a pilgrimage, it might give you some ideas on some successful best practices and workflow. And also, if you've got something that you think would help me and your fellow peregrinos to that we can add to this shall we say routine, because um, one of my favorite authors says routine is the most portable form of domesticity. So it can kind of give you a bit of comfort on the road to have some routine. So this was my routine when I walked the Camino. And like I say, if you've got anything that you would like to add to that, please write us a message on our Facebook page, El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, and we'll certainly give people that recommendation and that will give them some food for thought as well. So typically on the Camino, I would wake up before sunrise. Most of the time I do stay in the albergs. Most of the time, I must admit, like I said in the last episode on the the last Camino my wife and I did two weeks ago, I did end up taking a hotel for, I think it was three out of the six nights that we spent back on the Camino. And that was simply because one, we like to stay in a hotel when we get to Santiago as a reward. And two, because I had terrible night's sleep two nights in a row and I just needed to make sure I could get a good night's sleep. So that's why we chose a hotel in Pomferrada. And we got a, a three-star hotel for, for 34 euros a night, which was really, really cheap. And it was a godsend after you've had no sleep. You get back to your room, you've done 25K. You're like, yeah, I need a good shower. I need a good sleep. And then you wake up the next day refreshed. So whether you're in your hotel or whether you're in your alberg, wake up just before sunrise. I like to hydrate immediately. And this is something I do whether I'm at home or on the Camino. I will drink a liter of water as soon as I wake up. My body wouldn't have have drunk a drop of water for eight, seven, eight hours. So the most important thing to do, especially when we're going to go and do all that exercise, the long distance trekking, is to hydrate. A splash of lemon in there to make the, the balance of more 
more alkaline so that gives you energy rather than acid so a splash of water will be really good for the acid alkali balance in your body and to hydrate your body and energize your body so a splash of water um, in a, a liter of water so I'll normally chug that while I'm getting ready to leave then roll up my sleeping bag put the sleeping bag into the stuff sock exciting stuff so far I can tell you're all gripped then often in the albergs you'll get like a mattress cover cover and you'll get a pillow cover so what you want to do with those things is you obviously tear them off the bed roll them up and put them into the rubbish or the trash depending on where you're from no idea what you call it in australia but i know in america it's the trash and in england we call it the bin or the rubbish so stick that in there that'll be a big help for your albergue um, hospitalero or hospitalera less for them to do when they come in to do the cleaning in the morning you've normally got to be out the door in most of the albergues by eight o'clock okay so that's why you're going to want to be up before sunrise so and you normally got to be in bed by nine or ten o'clock depending on the rules and regs of the specific alberg when you're staying so again important to get to bed early so you've tore the covers um, off of your your bunk and what you're going to do next is hopefully you've got clothes on you've stepped in clothes you're going to go into the area where your clothes were drying that you left out okay so you can go and pick up your walking clothes that are either airing or drying in the drying area you're also going to get your footwear from the boot stand okay if there is a boot stand please 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 do leave them there don't just leave them under your bed or in the albergs. There is already a malodorous fusion of different odors and smells in the dormitories. You can help by making sure that your boots are on the boot stand. Obviously, it gives your boots some much needed air as well. Often, if I find a place outside where I can leave my boots, that it's allowed and permitted, I will leave them outside just to give them some air just be careful of the rain as well especially walking in the winter the last thing you want is wet footwear to put on in the morning so you've got your footwear from the boot stand you've picked up your walking clothes next thing you're going to do is now you're going to put some vaseline on your feet i did this every morning as i mentioned in the last episode wow what a difference it makes i really really would recommend all i can tell you is in all the other caminos i've done i've always had blisters really really bad blisters now i heeded the advice of someone something someone said to me on my first camino and most of the pilgrims i've interviewed on this podcast have all sworn by putting vaseline a thin veil of vaseline on your feet before you go walking for the day my wife and i did this neither of us had blisters what is the common denominator between this last camino and all the others when i did have blisters then when i did have blisters should i say vaseline so definitely put the vaseline on your feet now you might be asking why don't i shower before i go in the morning the reason i don't shower is because i don't want to have a wet towel in my backpack so i shower the when i finish walking for the day but i don't tend to shower after that and like I said, the reason is because I don't want to put a wet travel towel in my bag and I've already got my normally my socks or my underwear drying on my bag as I walk if they haven't dried overnight. So Vaseline on the feet, footwear on. What footwear did I have on my last Camino? I had some Nike trail runners. They were absolutely amazing. I'm definitely going to always have these for my future Caminos. On other Caminos, I have to admit, I have worn boots. And again, that could be a reason why I suffered from blisters because heat can be another cause of blisters. And I guess with some boots on, your feet are more likely to get hot. So, breakfast in the Alberg comes after that. Often my wife and I have prepared a little breakfast the night before. Sometimes it's just some bananas and muesli bars. Other times... If we're feeling like we need to get a bit more food on board before we hit the road, we'll have a couple of rolls and um, these might be just something simple like tuna rolls or some pate. In Spain, you can get like 
tubs of pate for like 90 cents. Now, the reason we did this is not because we are trying to save money. Obviously, that's one bonus, but it's also the weight. The pate is really, really easy to just spread onto the bread, and then you can put that in the recycling at the alberg, so you don't have to carry any tins or glass jars with you. The pate spreads easy into your rolls or your bread, your sandwiches, and, or as they say down south where I live in England, your sarnies, and yes, like I say, you don't have to carry any of that packaging with you and you can recycle it at the Albergs because most of the Albergs nowadays have some facilities and some recycling options. So breakfast either on the go or at the Alberg, depending on how much time you've got and whether you're in a rush or not. If you need that caffeine kick in the morning, um, then you can go and grab a coffee. Normally you'll find a, a cafeteria close to your albergs lots of enterprising places nowadays have opened up along the way as well as vending machines you'll find in the middle of nowhere or vending machines that people have actually put in their front gardens or in their garages or just outside their houses to help provide some kind of provisions where there aren't any or there weren't any before so I think that's actually a really good thing and very clever from the locals. So you get your caffeine kick before you get going from the Alberg, if that's what you need to do. That's what Rachel and I like to do. And often you find in Galicia, they give you a, something free to eat with your consumo, with your drink. So if you're getting something, drink, an alcoholic drink, you might get some savoury. If you're getting a coffee or a hot chocolate, you might get something sweet. But you'll often get a little cake to go with that, which is a little Brucey bonus, as we say in the UK. Then you're hitting the road, and that's when all the magic begins, I feel. And you're taking in the sights, the sounds, the smells, the sensations. I find one of the best things about the pilgrimage is about walking the Camino is that you... I definitely tend to squeeze as much as I can out of that, and stop and smell the herbs from the plants you kind of smell some herby type plants in the forest as you go the eucalyptus forest um the it's just an absolute playground for the senses the camino i find so you you treat your senses to that playground you let them play in the camino playground and on the way you might want to stop for for something to eat once you've done I don't know I, I like to stop every 10k or, or so just to break it up if possible and that will be in the form of a cafe if there's a cafe along the way and don't forget to get your stamps when you do that two stamps along the way each day will get you your compostela in Santiago according to the pilgrim office website so get your two stamps your 10k in you stop for another coffee and sometimes this is where the magic begins I find you find some very quirky and you meet some very memorable people or have some very memorable moments in the cafeterias along the way. And one particular moment, last our last Camino, we stopped in a place called Pardal, Cafeteria Pardal. And that was on the way to Padron. So that would be between Carlos Darias and and Padron. Looks like it wouldn't have anything special, but you walk in. And the lady is very, very friendly. It's a family-run place. You can hear the, the, the grandma chatting from the living room, which is literally just next to the bar. And you go to use their toilet, and then you find that it's actually the, the domestic toilet as well. So you're sharing facilities with the family. And this is where the Camino is like just like a throwback from 500 years ago anyway you get your coffee lovely coffee it was and next thing you know this tailless cat comes and jumps on your lap and starts to eat the cake that you've ordered as well and so you got a, this cat that's crazy about cake and it's got one eye as well sorry it's tailless as well a one-eyed cat would be, that would be interesting, and then you get chatting to the you get chatting to the the owner of the place, and then this dog comes out as well, and the dog actually had one eye as well. Now, curiously, like strangely, the dog was called Perla, which is the same name as my wife and I's dog. We call our dog Pearl after the band Pearl Jam, but anyway, that's another story. But such a coincidence, and like, you find these coincidences, this amazing synchronicities tends to happen along the Camino. It doesn't happen to me 
anywhere else in any other walk of life. I go to a cafe just around the corner or I'm going to a cafe and you're on a city break or whatever. But on the Camino, these coincidences tend to happen and I just find it amazing. And so we we had our one-eyed dog called Perla, the same name as our dog. We had this cat that liked to eat cake, just jumped on my lap. Like the, the cat behaved like a dog. And like I say, just a, a very ch- enchanting experience. You've only stopped, stopped for a coffee. You end up spending like half an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, just amazed by all these crazy things that are going on and all these coincidences and these places just ooze character. And this is what's amazing about the Camino. You just stop for a coffee, then you walk out there just scratching your head, kind of chuckling to yourself for all the all the things that happened. So that's when you stop for your coffee break, your first coffee break of the day, 10K in. On the way to that coffee break on those 10K, you're normally throwing buen caminos to everyone you pass, you, all the locals, you, you tend to open up, you tend to, to say hello and buenos dias and buenas tardes to, to the people you see. I'm not used to that. I'm from the south of England where if people say hello to you, you think they're up to something. You think, oh, what's he up to? What's his beef kind of thing? But on the Camino, you really, really open up. It's quite something that comes quite naturally comes quite naturally to my wife who's from the north of England where everyone says hello and everyone stops and asks questions and everyone calls you, all right, love. Um, so it's for me, again, that's the, the one of the most amazing things about the Camino is how open and friendly everyone is and I counted on one specific day on our second last day just out of interest I counted that I got 17 Buen Caminos from the locals and my fellow shellmates which is very very it's very uplifting raises your spirits and it is lovely to give them out as well so that's what you tend to do during the day is give out lots of Buen Caminos and lots of Buenos Dias and you often get them in return as well. So you've made your first stop of the day. You've got your stamp. Make sure that you get your stamp. And then you get on to, shall we get on to maybe about late morning, midday now, especially if you're in the winter. Um, By the summer, you might well be finishing your walk for the day because you want to be finished before the sun climbs higher and it gets a bit too hard. And often in the afternoon, it can get very hot. But you're around midday. You're going to plow on for another six, seven, eight kilometers, another couple of hours or so. And you might make your second stop for the day. And this time it could often be just somewhere beautiful in the middle of nowhere. You've spotted a bench by a river. You spotted uh, a pocket of sunshine against the the stump of a tree. And again, this is where the Camino's magic happens because by that time you're often quite tired and hungry. And those rolls that you've packed the night before, which is part of the routine we'll get to in a minute, you often prepare some food the night before and pack that. So you've got a packed lunch and you sit in a packed lunch. If it's in the summer, you're going to want some shade. If it's in the winter, you're definitely going to be searching for some sunshine because it can be very cold. And you sit back against that stump of the tree and you treasure every single bite of your sandwich or of your roll or of your banana or of your muesli bar and your tendency when you're at home might be to to shovel it down as quickly as possible and eat like a shark but when you're on the Camino like I said you savor each bite and you chew as slowly as possible and every morsel of food just feels absolutely marvelous you focus on the texture of the food the taste of the food the smell of the food you feel it as it goes down your as you swallow it and you feel it kind of stroke and kiss the back of your throat it is just the most amazing feeling eating when you're hungry on the Camino all those little pleasures are magnified and amplified when you're on the Camino and that's why I wanted to do this episode now because I've still got that Camino consciousness. I've still got the the post-Camino buzz. And all the way, my phone, my mobile phone is switched off, fellow peregrinos. And that's how I get, personally, the most out of my Camino. Phone switched off. I disconnect and reconnect with nature. I love doing that. And that's one of my favorite things about the Camino. So we're mid-afternoon, we just had our, had our mid-afternoon snack and often when I stop, when we stop around this time, we've maybe got another hour 
or worst case scenario, two hours to go, depending on how far to the next stop. And that's when you often get the the tough part of the day, I find, when you're you've eaten and you may be a little bit groggy your muscles are getting a bit tight towards the end of the day and you've often had to fill up your water supply again if you found a fountain where you see those signs agua potable and if you haven't found those then you've popped into a supermarket if you're lucky or a cafe and filled up because you've been sipping along the way i have found that more or less a, a liter of water in my water bladder would last me for around about 15 to 20 kilometers. I would drink it sparingly. And I would also, whenever I took a sip of that water, like I did when I ate the food, I would swish it around my mouth and make sure it um, makes all of my mouth moist as well. So I get every single drop out of my water bladder and I make the most of it by swishing it around my mouth and and doing that before I, I actually swallow the water. Sounds like a silly thing to do, but it does make me treasure everything that I normally take for granted when I am not on the Camino. And this is the Camino magic, magic at work for me personally. So you get to the last part of the day and then what happens? You finally see where you're going to stop. You finally see where you're going to stop. And that's when you have to choose where you're going to stay. I personally like to stay in the public albergs when I can and when my body and when my mind feels up to it. It can be a challenge. I'm not going to lie. It can be a challenge. You've been, you've walked for 25k. Sometimes all you need after that is a nice comfy bed, the guarantee of a hot shower, which you don't always have in the public albergs. But what I like about the public albergs is that's when you tend to meet most of your fellow peregrinos. That's when you tend to find the interesting stories, when you find, shall we say, kindred spirits. If you go and stay in a hotel, you won't necessarily be surrounded by fellow peregrinos. And that's when you might find yourself a bit disconnected from that Camino spirit. So that's why I prefer to stay in the public albergs, sometimes the private albergs. That's why I prefer to stay where there are dorms. But sometimes when you're tired, you might want that bit of privacy as my wife and I did last time out. So what's my advice to you there? If you're going to stay in somewhere private, then I think it's important to ask to see the rooms before. So you're going to want to go up to the the reception desk and just say, obviously, before you pay your money and agree that you're going to stay there, ask if you can see a room. Most places will let you. I did have the odd place that told me they wouldn't, um, which in that case, I, I wouldn't pay for the room. But I wanted to see the rooms to make sure that if we were going to pay the extra money, they were warm, they were comfortable. We did see a few rooms where the prices were quite high and they didn't even have heating in the rooms. And obviously, we didn't stay in those places. But if you look around, shop around, and the reason I'm saying this is because some of you might not fancy the dorm, so there are other options for accommodation. I, I do highly recommend that you do stay in some of the public albergs a few times because that's when you will make those connections. That's when you will build that rapport with your fellow peregrinos. That's when the magic happens when you sit down at night and the campfire atmosphere can materialize and manifest and you get chatting and you get straight to the deep in meaningfuls and and that again we talk about the magic of the Camino those interactions with your fellow fellow peregrinos and the locals those are what enrich your experience all right so you've checked into your alberg or your hotel and make sure you get your stamp obviously when you do that Depending on where you stay, you'll, you might find like a public alberg. The ones in Portugal right now are around about five euros. The ones in Galicia are around about eight euros. So you could budget every day. If you budgeted a maximum of 10 euros every day, I think, to stay in the public albergs, then that'll probably get you a bunk bed, okay, at best. Um, and if you're going to pay, if you're looking to pay a bit more than that, then I guess bud the budget wouldn't be too much of an issue. But the public albergs, you could say, around about five to ten euros and then you've, you've got your stamp and I'm just going to have to take a quick break in the podcast because I can hear someone outside 
kicking a ball around, which is cool, but I guess that's not quite cool for you guys to listen to. So two secs, I'll be back. There you go, easy as that. All I had to do was close the window. And we say about everything being authentic on the Camino, and I'm an authentic pilgrim, so I don't mind just saying to you, just had to close my window there. So where were we? We're talking about, we get, we got the stamps in the Alberg, and you've paid, or of course your hotel, you've paid to get in. If you're in the Alberg, this is quite an important moment. You need to choose your bed. And now, what have I learned from choosing a bed in, Al in an Alberg in, when they're in the dormitories where there might be, say, 20, 30, 40, 50, sometimes 100 beds? I personally like to get a top bunk just because there's a bit more air up there. I think Tierra St. Clair, our six-time pilgrim guest in episode one, said that too. There's a bit more air in those top bunks. I like to find a place near a window. Sometimes the... Body odor in the Albergs can be a little bit stinging. It can be a bit fruity, so and it can be a bit lively. So you definitely want a place by a window where you can get a bit of air as well. Sometimes in a corner and tucked away from any entry, exit or staircases. So for that reason, you'll get a little less disturbance and a little less noise. Where were we on our last Camino? We were in the Alberg in Redondela, beautiful Alberg in, I think it's a 15th century building, something like that, that's been converted into an Alberg. It's also a library, lovely place. And it must have been around about two in the morning and some guy thought it was a good idea to go into the bathroom, which will obviously amplify your voice because of the ceramics in there and have a conversation on his mobile phone. Thankfully, there was a gentleman right next to the bathroom that got up and gave him gave him a verbal volley and told him to pack it in and be a bit more considerate. So, yeah, you do get these kind of experiences. Now, I don't think people do this to be vindictive. I just think maybe they're not used to staying in such places and the they need to be made aware that what they're doing is probably not the most considerate thing to do. So, yeah, it's probably not a good idea to be having a conversation on your mobile phone in the dormitories or anywhere near the dormitories or the bathroom, which will amplify it. But this is part of Alberg life and it is part of sometimes the challenges you face. It is all part of the Camino's character building, in my humble opinion. So, but I'm not the uh, I'm not the Camino King. I'm not the Pilgrim President. So you don't have to take what I say. But I do have a few thousand Camino kilometers in my boots, um, five times on the Camino de Santiago. So I do have a bit of experience, and I just speak from that experience. Okay. And some of you may disagree with me. And feel free to drop me a message on our Facebook page, El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims Podcast. I'd love to hear your points of view on it, and we can have a healthy debate. And we have topics for future podcasts that were that way as well. Now, we have chosen our bunk, best case scenario in the Albergs. You've got a top bunk. You've got a window by your bed. This is what I had in a place called Faramio Teo, um, just before Santiago de Compostela. I was lucky enough to get this. It was away from the entry point, the exit point, and the stairs. And I've now got my, I don't know what material this is, but they give you something like a, a sheet to lay over your mattress and your pillowcase. Then I roll out my sleeping bag. And then what I do is with the stuff sock of my sleeping bag, I put all of my valuables into the stuff sock of my sleeping bag and I use it as a kind of knapsack that goes over my shoulder and I carry it, carry it with me everywhere. Okay, so I go to the shower with my valuables. Obviously, you know, the old saying is trusting God but lock your door. And that's what I think as well. So um, I trust my fellow peregrinos very, very much, but there have been some incidences of some things going missing in Albergs. So it's important that you do just be conscious and be mindful of that. Um, be open to make friendships, but keep your guard up as well. Okay, so in, re in respect to your valuables, don't leave them unattended. So I put all of my valuables into the stuff sock of my sleeping bag, which is now free. I can carry it as a nap sack over my shoulder. I'll then, with all of my valuables, go to the washing, hand washing area. There's often a few sinks where you can hand wash your, your stuff. So I will hand wash my socks that I've just worn. 
I'll hand wash my boxer shorts, underwear that I've just worn. And I'll hang them up and I'll put my boots in the boot stand as well. Or if they're somewhere outside, I'll leave them outside so they can get a bit of air. Never leave my boots in the dorms because they my boots stink after I've been walking. Let's be honest, I don't want to add to the inconvenience of my fellow pilgrims. So I'll put them on the boot stand or outside if they're allowed to be in a place outside. Obviously, where they're not going to get in the way of anyone or anyone's nerves. So I've hanged my clothes up. Now, the walking clothes that I don't wash often are my shorts because I only carry one pair of shorts or the zip-off pants, if the zip-off trousers if you're in England in the winter. That's what I always carry with me in the winter, zip-off pants. And um, I'll hang them up to, to air. So even though I'm not going to wash them, they're getting a bit of an airing. And again, that's less smelly stuff that I then put in the dormitories and less of, uh, shall we say, molestia as they say in the spanish one less way to to make the dormitory smelly and to be a bit more considerate another way to be considerate so that's what you do and the, i do this re- religiously like militarily it's a routine like we say routine is the most portable form of domesticity and that can give you a little bit of comfort on the road so my wet clothes are hanging up the clothes i've walked in are hanging up I will then go and have a shower. After the shower, sometimes they're cold. They're not always going to be hot, but sometimes they're cold. And whatever it is, you're going to freshen up in the shower. Please, please, please do have a shower. Have a shower if you can, if you can brave a bit of cold water. Because, like I said on, on the last podcast, there were two dudes that turned up, and obviously they'd walked very far. But they didn't have a shower and they really, really, really smelled. So I'm not going to go on about that. But just be considerate. Think about your fellow peregrinos and think about how you'd like people to be as well. Um, And that can be a great help. So you're then going to shower. You're often feeling a bit tired, I understand, at this point. And the first thing you might want to do is eat, drink or sleep. Um, But definitely, definitely, please do share if you can. So... Your clothes are hanging up, your walk, your wet clothes are hanging up, your walking clothes are hanging up, you're all showered, then you're going to sleep in, slip into your walking clothes. You've got your flip-flops on as well, okay? So you've got your flip-flops on, so you're not going to catch anything that might be lurking on the floors of the albergs or the bathrooms. And then, if you've got to town early enough, you might want to go out and find a pilgrim menu. Now... You can find a pilgrim menu, sometimes a three-course meal for anything between seven and ten euros. So have a look for the pilgrim menus. And if you find them, obviously, you know, that might be want to be a choice. If you don't mind spending a bit more and you're looking for something a bit more filling. Um, well, the pilgrim menus can always be filling as well. But if you want something more specific or you're looking to spend a bit more, then you can always do that. But you can go looking for a pilgrim menu. Last Pilgrim menus, my wife and I found stuff that was between, we had one that was 6.95, 8.95, 7.95. So around 7 to 10 euros, you get a pilgrim menu. But the catch is you need to get those pilgrim menus sometime between 1.30 in the afternoon and probably maximum 4 o'clock. We even went into a place in Padron and we asked to eat at 3 p.m. and we were told the kitchen was closed now. While you're eating your meal, Instead of looking at your phone, instead of going on Facebook, which, like I said, I don't do, instead of Instagramming, why not have a look at how far you've come, review the day. I like to write a diary, keep a journal, write down all the main points. Um, I like to go through my dictaphone commentaries and record those as well, the main points. And I also like to look at what tomorrow holds and to work out how much food we're going to need to carry, how much water we're going to need to carry and how far we're going to go that to me is the exciting point to look how far you've come how far you've got to go where you're going to stop where you're going to take some photos what you're going to look out for what you're looking forward to what you're fearing what's the terrain like is it going to be up is it going to be down is it flat what's the weather going to be like i like to pick up the local paper have a look at the local paper look at a few stories you know immerse yourself in the culture this is all part of the camino the magic is the culture the people and your fellow peregrinos okay so for example i mean i picked up a local paper when we were having one of the meals and i saw that there was a story about and just i found this very interesting personally like a a man that 
um, had died on the day that he was due to bury his wife and they'd been together for 70 odd years. They were both both centenarians and you know the story was a bit of a sad one that the man couldn't face couldn't face putting his his uh, his wife in the grave and he died on the day and just stuff like that it might seem a bit morbid but this is how you get to understand the locals as well and and these people live for a long time you know that and 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 part of that maybe what sustains them for so long is that shall we say the the family atmosphere the culture of having friends and family and connections to people not our phones and I think this is what sustains people and, and this is why people do live to such a, a, a ripe seasoned age in Spain on the Camino in Galicia. So I know that's just that's just one example, but I like to find out what's going on in in the area to connect with my surroundings and the culture. And this is all part of for me what a day in the life of a pilgrim is all about. Maybe not maybe it's not for you, but that's the way I like to do it. Okay, so you've checked how far you've got to go. You've checked how much water you need, how much food you need. You know what the terrain's going to be like tomorrow. You make plans accordingly. So on your way back to the alberg after you've eaten, you might want to pick up a few supplies. So if the supermarkets are open, sometimes you'll find them closed during siesta hours, but often they'll open again about half past four. So I like to go and get the, the supplies about that time. So my wife and I would more often than not get a few liters of water, It'll be a liter to uh, a liter of water to chug in the morning each, and then probably a liter to carry each. So we normally be up by a good probably four liters of water. So two liters each, one to chug in the morning and one to fill up with. And if you obviously you buy them in the supermarkets, you can get liter bottles of water for like thirty cents or whatever. So shop in the supermarket. We'll also buy a few rolls. Uh, bread rolls and because we don't buy a full loaves of bread because we don't like to carry full loaves of bread but we'll buy a bread roll because it's less to carry we'll, like I said we'll buy a pate because that's less to carry as well we can spread that we can spread that in our in our rolls and recycle the packaging at the Alberg so that way we get back and we're ready for tomorrow morning everything's packed and ready for tomorrow morning so all we have to do after that probably late afternoon now we're talking is we are going to maybe have a little snooze have a little siesta some some of you might prefer to do that when you first get to the Alberg depends on the day sometimes you you feel like doing it as soon as you get there sometimes afterwards but I think as soon as you get there you want to try and if you can get a hot shower and wash your clothes because that gives your clothes more time to try it as well so I always do that as soon as I get there so You've worked out all of that stuff. You've got your food ready for the morning. You've got your your sleeping bag laid out and you've had a little snooze and you've probably got about two or three hours or a couple of hours, something like that, before you're going to start winding down for that bedtime of probably nine to ten o'clock, depending on when the curfew of the Alberg is. If you're in a hotel, that's one big advantage of staying in a hotel. If you like to spend the night, all night out sightseeing, an Alberg might be a better, sorry, a hotel may well be a better option because there isn't a curfew. You don't have to be out until 12 o'clock checkout time and you don't have to be in bed by a certain time. So that's why I found it sometimes a little bit, a bit of a nice change from the Albergs because you don't have this limit. You don't have these curfews. You just have the checkout time of 12 o'clock. So that's the difference between the albergs and the hotel. But the disadvantage of the of the hotels, as I said, is you don't tend to build that rapport with your fellow peregrinos. And I love that. I love sitting down and having a chat. So what are your options? Now, your options about five, six o'clock at night. If you finish walking and you've had your siesta, your little snooze, you might want to hang around in the alberg. You might want to chat to your fellow peregrinos. Like I said, this is where you start to build those connections, build those relationships, deepen that rapport. Or you might want to go and do a bit of sightseeing. So you might go around town. If you're in a city, you might want to go and see some sites, some museums. And that's when in Spain, the towns, villages and cities come to life. They come to life at five o'clock in England. 
everything closes at five o'clock and everyone just retreats indoors and goes to bed. But in Spain, that's where it's very captivating. That's where it's enchanting. That's when it comes alive. That's when the buskers all come out and the violinists and the guitarists. That's when the magic happens. That's when you'll see families, generations walking down the street, arms in arms. You'll see young generations walking arm in arm with their with their older generations, you'll see proud grandmas and grandpas pushing their their latest gurgling additions to the family down the street. That's when everyone's out wearing their best clothes often, and that's when you'll see the magic happen, okay, at around about between five and eight o'clock at night. So you're going to want to go out definitely a few times and, and witness the Spanish living their life, and that's when you'll find the best comes out of them as well. You'll find that the cafe terrace is packed full of people having a chat, and yeah for me it's a magical time and the sun comes down a little bit if it's too hot so you know it's a bit cooler as well and you you can enjoy the more yeah the cooler climbs so if you've done a bit of that and you might want to go or if you did that the day before or last you might want to go back to your alberg and you might want to actually just socialize like i said and often it's lovely to chat to your fellow peregrinos but don't forget don't forget my fellow shellmate. Don't forget the, the hospitaleros or the hospitaleras. What you often find, these are the wardens. Sounds like a bit of a harsh word in English. A bit of a harsh word because it sounds like an authoritarian thing. But often the hospitaleros and the hospitaleras are often quite lonely, I find. And they do enjoy a chat. And on my last Camino, I made quite a concerted effort to chat to the to the hospitaleros and hospitaleras. I spoke to a guy in Porino. Lovely, lovely, lovely fella. 72 years old he was. You wouldn't think it. He was effervescent. He was chirpy. He was chatty. He was smiley. Looked a lot, lot younger than that. Um, and had a really, really good chat with him and, and found out a lot about him. And he told me some, some really great stories. One of which was, firstly about some pilgrim that came up to him, an American pilgrim came up to him and said she wanted to give him a present. And he said, and I love what he said here, he said, I don't need a present. He said, I volunteer in this job. Meeting you guys every day is my present. The fact that you come to my my province, you come to my country and I'm able to tell you about it and we're able to share our great land with you. He said, that's my present. That We don't need a present. She said, no, I insist. I want a present. I want to give you a present. And he kind of surrendered at that point. And then the the lady just started singing to him. He didn't tell me what she sang. But he said it, it brought a tear to his eye. And as he's telling me, it's making my my skin, my, my skin shiver and my hair stand on end as well. And again, this is where the magic of the Camino happens. And I find the magic of the Camino often happens in those public albergs, sometimes the cheapest places. They might not be the cleanest places, but this is where the magic happens. And that's why I like to stay in them as often as possible. I was chatting to the hospitalera in this place called Teo, which is, if I'm not mistaken, about 18 kilometers before Santiago on the Camino Portugues. And she was a very, 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 very lovely lady. And she told me, she seemed quite lonely and, and she's kind of sat there. I think she was doing some homework. And don't forget, a lot of these guys are often volunteers. I don't know how many of them get paid, but I know for a fact a few of them are volunteers. So if they've got a tip jar, chuck a few euros in there as well. You know, it all counts. So where was I? Um, this lovely lady called Sylvia in Teo. That's where we are. And I was just asking her, you know, what can what can pilgrims do to help the hospitaleras? And she said, she said, do come talk to us. She said, do come talk to us because we do love a chat. They've often got a lot of really, really helpful info to give like for example she said to me the pilgrim mass in santiago at the moment isn't happening in this in the cathedral it's happening in the in one of the churches i think that's the church that was it the church of san francisco the iglesia de san francisco because there's lots of building work going on in the cathedral right now so if you're going to do the pilgrim mass it's at 12 o'clock every day okay in the church of san francisco just around the corner so she gave me info like that but I also asked her what we can do to help. And she did say, please, please, please wash up when you're finished. She said, do tidy up after yourself as well in the in the dorm. So by putting your 
the sheets that they give you to cover the beds and the pillow and the pillowcases that you get chuck those in the rubbish as well we've already mentioned that she said no manchar which means don't stain so i shudder to think what she has to deal with anyway <laughs> so um don't stain the beds so take from that what you will she said sometimes the worst thing about the job is accepting is having to tell fellow peregrinos that they're full, especially when there's another six, seven kilometers to the next place they get to stay. But she said, please do accept. I don't take any pleasure in saying that. And she said, I'll, I'll often give information. I can get, she said, I'll give taxis. I'll tell them how they can get to the next place. But please do accept that we can't always accommodate everyone. And the rules are we can't let people sleep on the floor either. So just be aware of that, that sometimes they are in an unenviable position. Um, like I said, she said, please do come and say hello, talk to them. And yeah, that's what, what she said to me just to be able to help. And so sometimes you find the magic also comes in talking from talking to, should I say, your hospitaleros and hospitaleras. I find that's a really, really great way to enrich my Camino because they've seen so much like Jose, Jose Manuel in in. Porino, he'd, he'd done that job for eight years, eight years as a volunteer hospitalero, eight years he'd been doing that, amazing, and you know what, he wrote that he said that someone put uh, complained about him because he wouldn't let them stay because they he didn't have the relevant, they didn't have the relevant paperwork, they didn't have passports to show him, and the law is in, in, in Galicia, I'm guessing the whole of Spain, is that you have to show some form of official ID. And the reason is because it's a way that they can record everybody that stays in the albergues just in case something does happen and they need to, shall we say, vet everybody that comes into the albergue. Because everyone's details, he told me, does get shown up on the screen if they've got some, shall we say, previous record um, previous criminal record it will show up on the screen so it is a way for them to vet them so he wasn't doing it to be a jobs worth he was doing it because it's the law he has to do that anyway this person complained about him wrote a very very hurtful review on google and you could tell he was actually very very hurt by it so you can also leave a review as well so leave a nice review for the hospitaleros if they've been nice if they haven't been nice then maybe leave them a constructive review and give them some points on how to get better so you're back in the alberg you've either had a, a lovely chat with your with your fellow peregrinos or your hospitalero you've maybe done a bit of sightseeing and it gets to bedtime so what i normally do when it gets to bedtime is i will all of those valuables that have been in the stuff sack of my sleeping bag that i have kept with me i will invariably always put that into my sleeping bag I sleep with my sleeping bag zipped up and I sleep with them in there nobody I don't think in their right mind is going to dare to try and get into my sleeping bag while I'm asleep so I find that to be the most useful place to put them if for those of you that like to use a mobile phone you might want to be charging your mobile phone overnight if you've got a socket near your bed otherwise you might have charged your phone when you've stopped in the cafes or bars along the way so that's another thing to add okay so when you do stop for a for a drink or a bite to eat or any of the places often ask if they've got a place where you can charge your phones i didn't have to deal with that because i didn't turn my phone on apart from on my birthday but um, yeah, that's a great place um, and a great way for you to keep your your devices charged. Okay, because I know that can be a big thing. Some people carry. I did see a few pilgrims carrying the portable chargers, the mobile chargers, but it won't always be possible. And I don't. I like to carry as as least weight as possible. All right. So you've done a bit of walking around. You've done a bit of socialising. And that will be, I think, when it's time to start winding down. And I'll often obviously just go and brush your teeth before bed. Make sure my bag is set and ready to go in the morning so I don't I don't disturb anybody. And what I often find is I don't actually need, a lot, need an alarm because there's, shall we say, background noise going on in the dorms. And that often 
just kind of alerts me and wakes me up naturally. If you are putting an alarm on and you do tend to wake up with the vibrate function on your phone, then just use the vibrate function rather than having something like, I don't know, um, if you like it, then you're going to put a ring on it when you wake up in the morning or wake up, it's a beautiful morning. That would be a nice ringtone, wouldn't it? by the Boo Radleys. <laughs> anyway, yeah, put the alarm on, or your alarm on vibrate, and maybe it won't disturb, and don't put it on snooze so it goes off on and again, because then, you know, people that are sleeping in your bunk might have to deal with it every 10 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I think that's 52 minutes, my fellow shellmate, of a day in the life of a Camino de Santiago pilgrim. Thank you very, very much for listening. I hope some of you found some useful stuff in there. I hope there's some best practices in there that you can take something from. I would like to say before I leave you until after Christmas to wish all of you guys a very, very, very Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We do not have any advertising. We do not have any sponsorship. We do not have any product promotions on there. So one way you could support the podcast would be just by going onto Facebook, giving us a like. That would be lovely. Or going onto Apple iTunes. And if you think we deserve it, writing us a five-star review. So you know where it is, El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims Podcast. You'll find that's the name of the podcast on both platforms. To all those that have liked liked the page on Facebook very recently, I'd like to say a very, very, very big thank you. I'm going to mention some names. I'll be here all day if I mention all of them. But Dylene Hinton, thank you so much. Christian Lopez, Tish Conway, Hori Jing, Len Blasio, Stephen Belfiore, Belfiore, should I say. Um, Timante Haini. I'll just say Timante because I, I don't want to say that name and get it wrong. So Timanti, thank you very much. Amy Walters, Maria Arcolaki, Jill Fostoffel, Jerry Murphy, Peter Ormond. Hello, Peter. That was our guest from uh, from one of their previous episodes. Happy, happy Christmas to you, Peter. Andrea, Andrea, Jules Mayor, Rob Perry, Lisa Wave, D. Doris Mangian, Michelle Knapp, Sharon Rogers, Brian Garcia, Ronnie Richard, Martin Jameson. Hello, Martin in Canada. Lovely to, to chat to you recently. Mark Peredo, Natalie Turner, Rick Prater. Hi, Rick again. Lovely to hear from you. Frank Gilligan, Lucy Morris, Tanya, Thielen Sheldon, Kathy St. Pierre and Jeff Winstead. Guys, I'm really, really grateful for you listening. Thank you very much for liking the podcast. Until the next episode, which will be on Friday, the 27th of December. A very Merry Christmas to you all, fellow peregrinos. Wandering wanderer uh-huh. 